Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice being back in studio. Lots to talk about tonight. So looking forward to the show. Lots to talk about and lots of losing to talk about as well. Well, lots of winning too. Lots someone winning has to win, someone has to someone lose. Has so to lose. Uh, there are cool. people in the world that did win, so unfortunately. <laughs> Not us though. <laughs> um, we're very privileged to welcome... Tyrone Pillay with you. us tonight in studio. Tyrone, welcome. Thanks. Um, Tyrone is back from the Paralympics where he participated in the in the shot put, um, if I've got it right, in F36 division. F63. Yeah, 63. Yeah. F63. Um, Tyrone, you came eighth, if I've got it, yeah. got it correct. Um, just some of your previous um, achievements. Uh, the 2016 Paralympics, you came third. Yeah, bronze medal there. Yeah. Bronze medal in that one, but that was in a different uh Yeah, so class it was actually a F42. F42, yes. So they've changed yes. that since then. So okay. anybody using a prosthetic leg is now considered a 63. Okay. Anyone not using a prosthetic leg is a 42. Can I just yes. jump in there quickly? Jump in. Yes, because jump in. I've been wanting to know this for a while. You're talking about... F's and T's and 64's <laughs> and whatever. Can Mark, you? Can I tell you something, Victor? <laughs> I've just learned today what all of that means. I'm glad. It's 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 a book on its own. No, but I, I can. But I, I know that. I can. I don't, I, please okay. explain. Well done. So, so yeah, just from the listener's point of view, yeah. you know, because I mean, even myself, we follow it, and uh, you look at shot put, you look at high jump, you look at whatever, and you hear it's a T and an S and whatever. So how do they yeah. so, look so, at it? So the F is quite simple. It's anything standing for field events. So that's why it's the F. So your long jump will fall under F, your shot put, javelin, discus, those kind of events. And anything on the track, from the 100 meters all the way up to 10,000 meters, or well, it's not 10,000, I think it's 5,000, I think it is, uh, will be considered as track. So that's a T. As far as the numbering is concerned, it's quite complicated with the numbering. One being people with visual impairment. Right. So when you go 11, 12, 13, it's obviously the degrees of impairment. 11 being the worst, pretty much completely blind. Mm -hmm. And then 13 being somebody who can actually have some sort of vision, but not complete vision. Okay. And then when you go to 2, 2 will be somebody who's got a mental impairment, so intellectually impaired. So that will be a 2, so 20. And when you go into the 3s, it's pretty much people with cerebral palsy. So anybody suffering with CP, as we call it, will go from a 32 all the way to 38, 38 being the highest functioning. So a guy who can actually function a lot better than somebody who's a 32 or 33. Four is now obviously a, um, a change in that category, where it's people that have some sort of uh, disability with their feet and their limbs. So you'll go from a 42 all the way to a 46, 47. 46 and 47 are arm amputees who have issues with not having um, their, their limb on the top. Mm -hmm. And obviously, 42 to 44 would be legs. And then we have now changed over to something new where we have got 63s, which is me, with a single-legged above knee amputee using a prosthetic leg, so you'll be a 63. 61s would be people with both their prosthetic legs above. So it's, it's very complicated. And then your 50s will be people in wheelchairs. You have uh, 53 going up to 57. People and then here. just on that, thanks for sharing that. I think it's such a it's 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 awesome to know. More so when you when you follow it and you don't understand and yeah. whatever. So two questions quickly before Casper asks all these dotted uh, <laughs> down questions. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to forget. Um, two things that that I'd like to know is um, the first one being if you look at the runners, the blind runners, 
they have people running with them. Um, the medal guys that take a medal, do the guys running with them also get yes. a medal? or so, so your guide will get a medal as well. So the medal goes to both parties. It all depends on who's been registered, but it's pretty much a guide and the runner as I well. I can understand yeah. because that because guide has to train effort. as exactly. much. Or whatever. In fact, most cases, the, the guide is actually so important because I'll give you a simple example. In 2013, one of my friends who now won a silver medal, she was running and her guide wasn't taking her to that level. So she's changed guides and now she, yeah, so she's upped her game tremendously because of the guide. The guide has taken her to that level where now she's a silver medalist at the Paralympics. So you can see the the progression that she's had because of it. So the guide has an important role and and by right, they deserve to actually be a medalist. The one guy was our roommate actually, and what an awesome guy. I mean, like when you listen to him and the stuff that he was putting in, they put in just as much work yeah. as the athlete. In fact, more, if you ask Those me. Because they literally the eyes. If you mind the pun, they are the eyes. They've got to have a really good link to each other. There's simple things with, with, with the guide as well. You can't pull the athlete. You've got to know the athlete has to go before you at the finish line. You know, there's a lot of things that he has to wow. control. And, and yeah. Yeah, so, so his that's why. concentration yeah. has to be yeah. spot on. 100%. Yeah. And then just from a colors perspective, they get Protea colors too? Yeah. Wow, it's actually so. It's the pairing that actually yes. became yeah. Paralympians. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's, 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 so even though technically he wow. doesn't have any ailment or any sort of disability, well, he can only he go would, yeah. fast as yeah. but, he's, yeah. but he's still there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then attached to that, does it have to be male on male and female, or can it no? Be that's mixed? open to you. You can choose. Um, so what, husband and wife. Are yeah, you, you could have oh, that. But nice. one of the things though that we have noticed is that females tend to run better with male guides because they actually run a lot faster. I know it sounds a bit sexist. It's not the, the reason. My friend always told me that she preferred to run with a male guide because of how much harder she would okay, actually push sense. herself yeah, because yes. of that. So yeah. she changed over. And it's, it's very uh, common overseas. You don't see too many female guides. You see a lot of male guides more than anything. Wow. And then just uh, the last question. When you run with uh, prosthetics... Do they dictate as to what you're allowed to or not allowed to do? Well, firstly, I can't run, so I can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting but, for that. I was waiting. But you can <laughs> walk fast. <laughs> no, well, the, obviously, so be because they, they saw you eye jumping. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, the truth is, I mean, before, before I got all these fancy prosthetics, I used to walk with very basic ones. And the first day I switched over, it was ridiculous, the energy return on these blades, because I couldn't yeah. stop. I had to slam into the wall to stop really? myself because I just didn't know how to control it. I've never wow. used it before. Yeah. So it was a completely new thing to me. And you can see it. I mean, I, I'm not that fast, but I can run a 50 meters in like eight seconds for a big guy. It's faster than Gus. Uh, I think maybe. We'll yes, have to test it out. But that's the thing. The, um, the prosthetics have advanced so much now that, I mean, if you, if you follow the Paralympics, you've seen the guys running 10, 40, 400 yeah. meters. It's ridiculous the times that guys can run now. And there is some advantages to the way technology is taken the sport. That's magic. And uh, obviously, you guys need to fund that on your own. I'm lucky. Uh, I've been funded from around about 2013. That's like a sponsor. Uh, yeah, yeah. So now I'm working with a company that's an American company called Filao. And yeah. they've been kitting me with all my prosthetics for the last wow. four to five years now. Right. You need to tell them you were on the show so they get yeah, some yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, the, the main guys are obviously based out in Sweden. So they obviously will, yeah, don't worry if you tell me, I'll get it. And then how does that work now? Do they send you to have a test it? Yeah, or? so they actually flew me over to Sweden in 2019 where we came up with this idea of how we were going to design the leg. 
I don't know if you know, there's a pole vaulter by the name of Mondo Duplantis. He's quite a famous guy in Sweden. Uh, they won a gold medal at the Olympics okay, now. Yeah, so they yeah, took yeah, me yeah. to his facility Fine. where they did a whole lot of testing on me, understood how the leg was meant to be designed, how I throw, all of that. They put it together, and that's how we came up with this really great concept for my oh. new prosthetic leg, yeah. So they so do a lot of work with me. Techni- obviously, and uh, the, the precision making of it is, is quite important for your specific yeah. discipline, obviously. And, and also, I, I'm one of those guys who always wants to be better. I'm 41 years old now, and everybody laughs at me at 41, why you keep tinkering? I always want to be better. I always yeah. want to do things greater. So I actually got the help of body mechanic specialists uh, up at Wits University. We yeah. came up with a whole lot of things. He put me in this black suit, and it comes up with an image of like a little stick. Yeah. And it starts to measure your foot patterns. It starts to measure how much wow. of force you put down. And that's how we came up with the ideas of making my leg. So so do you push off your left or your right? Uh, right leg. I push uh, on my right-handed throw. Okay. So my push-off leg is right and my left leg is my block leg. Okay, yeah. okay. Sure. That's quite interesting. Right? So the it's amount really of force that actually generates on the left is ridiculous because I've snapped imagine. my leg many times yeah. by landing on it. Even Even now with the rain and how bad the conditions yeah. were that prosthetic just goes and there's nothing you can do about it, especially in the rain. And when it hits that block, it just goes across. Yeah. The amount of force that you generate, I think it's like 40 Newton meters wow. or something like that. Yo. And just rips across completely. Mm. So. And you know, Kash, we, we talk, obviously we're a rugby show. And um, a lot of times, if you look at golf for argument's sake, people think they can just go out onto the golf course and swing and that's how it works. <laughs> they can come now, and talk to me. I'll tell them you can't. <laughs> yeah, but, I'll really tell them But you're you a line supporter, so it's understandable. Yeah. So in any case, um, <laughs> uh, if, I, if I can come back to Tyron then, um, it shows you with any sport, um, the, the technical side of it and, and precision thinking as to going rugby, you're going to a match where South Africa played against the Wallabies this, this weekend and we came short, you go onto the field and whether it's javelin or shot put or whatever, there's specifics yeah. that you need to focus on. So if I if I can ask this question, um, if you look at a disabled athlete compared to an athlete that can function 100%, obviously you need to focus on certain things different to your counterpart. Yeah. Um, so would you think there's more mental preparation going into it or... Well, I mean, there's always mental preparation in everything you do, right? But I think we have to work more on a specific technique for our own body mechanics. Uh, For example, if you take Jason, for example, right? The way Jason throws, I can't throw. It's impossible for me to do that Mm. because he's got both his legs. He's able to get up onto his toes and throw, which I can't do. So I've had to take a technique, which is pretty much an able body technique, and figure out what's best for me as a disabled athlete. If I can just interrupt you there, though. So who decides on that? Is it your coach that sees how you... So, funny story, right? So, I never had a coach. Always good to have a funny story. (laughs) So, I I actually watched YouTube to learn how to throw. So, for my... my, When I started, which was 2009, effectively, I've been watching YouTube to learn. So, I would take everything from YouTube and figure out what would I need to do for me. Uh, I'm a qualified cricket coach. I have level two cricket coaching. So, I figured, oh, it wouldn't be too hard to put this all together. So, I started watching all these videos of these guys. And then I realized, this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. So that's when I put up my throwing technique in my way, which worked for me leading into Rio, obviously. And then after that, I started getting coaching from guys like in Denmark. My current coach is based in Stellenbosch. And we started working on ways to figure it out. And the one thing we stand is that I'm not an able body thrower. Mm. So we've got to realize that. What can I do and what I can't do? And that's, and that's the input of the athlete. Yeah, any coach. I mean, let's be honest. Most coaches are, are scared of the unknown, which this is. You've never coached it. You don't know it. Mm. So what I always say to them is speak. Communicate. When you communicate, 
you can get a great understanding of what the athlete's all about and how we can go forward. Like my current coach, he's a javelin able-bodied coach. He's never done shot put before. It's the first wow. time. But he's taken principles, he's taken yeah. videos, and he's like, okay, this is what we need to do, this is what we need to work on. And that's the important thing. So wow. I think it's all about the communication. Well, magic is there. So, so all of this together, um, the Denmark, it is Denmark, yeah. the, the Denmark crowd, I'm going to call them, that's doing your prosthetics. The um, Swedish guys. The Swedish, Swedish guys, guys yeah, the yeah. Swedish guys, sorry. Um, together with, with Wits University, who analyzed your, your, um, your body movements yeah. and um, what's the right word? Body mechanics, yeah. Your mechanics. Your mechanics. Um, and then the coach that you have now that taken all the, the javelin principles and, and, and brought it into it. That all put together um, is what took you to the, to the Paralympics now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, still, that heart that you have, the drive, all of that is, is a, an individual thing. But obviously, what we worked towards to get to Tokyo was a combination of all those events. And also, if you, if you really think about it, your strength and conditioning, for example. I mean, I wouldn't be as strong as I am if it wasn't for, for that element as well. So I have an holistic approach. I have all of these guys sitting as a team and understanding what we need to do to get you there. You, you guys touched on, you and Mark just touched on, on, on the me mental aspect of that. How much influence has those three aspects now, um, analyzing your, your body movements and, and your prosthetics, getting it suitable for, for your movements. How much has that um, assisted in your mental preparation? You know, you need to feel comfortable. That's the number one thing. You know, if your prosthetic doesn't make you feel comfortable when you're out there, and, and this is exactly what happened in Tokyo. I was not comfortable out there because of the rain. We don't train. I mean, anybody yeah. from Durban will tell you how often <laughs> do we get torrential rain like that. And my biggest concern was I was not comfortable. But... It was a struggle for me. Literally, you throw every single throw and you fall down. I mean, literally falling down, I hurt my back. Literally, that was one of the reasons why yeah. I struggled so much in the competition. I landed on my back four of those six throws. Wow. And uh, you don't feel that confidence anymore. Mm -hmm. So when you have that confidence, it's so much better. And leading in, yes. I mean, I was, I was bang on for a medal, in my personal opinion, yes. because of the way I was at. If I tell you what I threw in training, was probably just under 14 meters. And I think the guy who won the bronze was 14.10. So in competition, you could easily go up yeah, quite, yeah. Quite, quite a bit. So, you know, for me, I think once you have that confidence in your prosthetic and, and everything that's put together, mm. you're good to go. And that's how I felt leading into Tokyo. I just felt I was king of the castle and this was going to be an easy game for me, you know, that kind of thing. Little did I factor in was this torrential rain yeah, that was going to yeah. come in. So, so with, with, with all of this said, obviously there's lots of preparation that goes into this. Obviously you need to qualify and then partake in certain tournaments before you go and then with your with your coach basically being in the cape um how do you guys do that because do they do they they don't go with you well or do they well i'm lucky because he generally comes with us okay. uh he's got quite a few athletes in the team so he generally travels quite a bit with us right. unfortunately because of covid we haven't traveled much for what was it i think the last we traveled together was 2019 so we do a lot of stuff via remote. We we do that kind of a thing. But obviously, when there's a lot of the self discipline. Oh yeah, involved, but yeah. that's that's me. You know, in general, mm -hmm. everything I do, I'm like that. Um, I believe this was meant for me. I didn't ask anybody to help me with it. Even like sponsorship wise, I just went out and did it on my own. You know, I never asked people to fund me. I never asked people to do wow. anything. When I first decided this was me, I made the sacrifices. I, I switched off DSTV. I got rid of my car. People laughed at me about it, mm -hmm. but it was my decision to and get. And you're there. still married. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I think she's my she's my bankroller right now, so I, 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 I can't <laughs> leave her. At least she didn't get rid of your wife. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna hear this. You're gonna hear this. You're gonna be careful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Talking about your ma- your mental toughness and uh, and the mental aspect, um, I just picked up something here that you said: if my mind can conceive it and my heart can believe it, I can achieve it. Yeah, and that's your life motto. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's throughout life. That's every single day. You know, um, as a young kid, I was three years old when I dreamt that one day I'd go to the Olympics, right? I always would think I was running the relay. I would pass a can of deodorant in my room to myself and think I was running the relay. I dreamt about that moment. 33 years later, I got to the podium in Rio. And I always say to people, I always believed it. Yes, a lot of people never believed in me. I'm being honest with you. Mm. Where when, when I first told people, I was a cricketer. I was 70 kilos. I was never big. So everybody laughed at me. Why the hell are you going to go into athletics? You don't know anything about athletics. Yeah. I said, but I believe I can do this. It's my one avenue. Because cricket never accepted me. Mm. I mean, I was a really good cricketer. I, I played uh, at the second highest level just under like the Dolphins and that kind of stuff. And never got noticed because of my disability. Mm. So my point was I always wanted to wear green and gold. It was my dream as a kid. That's all I wanted. I remember having a little rugby ball with a springbuck on it. I looked at it and said, one day I want to be a springbuck. You know, for me, that's all that mattered. Yeah. And even today, when I get kit, when I compete, it's the greatest honor. Just putting it on, mm. I love it. And, and that, for me, was my driving force. You know, I always said one day I was going to get there. And like I said, nobody believed in me, but I believed in myself. Well, I so th- if you believe, you can achieve I think, it. I think you, you hit it spot on there. You know, people might believe in you, and you don't believe, you'll never achieve. Exactly. Yes. People don't believe in you, and you believe, sometimes that just switches you over yeah. to say, I'll show you, even if it's, to prove a point yeah. or whatever, but you want to go. And I think that from a mental from a mental ability to Brilliant. believe, regardless of whether the chips are down or not. And I mean, a, a disabled person um, would probably have to be stronger than an able person mentally to believe that you can actually achieve. Because let's say, I know, I go to yeah. rugby now. I listen to you and, and even we listen to Jason. Yes. And obviously he's an able body. But from a funding point of view and the sacrifices that you have to make, and then I look at rugby, and, and, and I must just put this out there to the listeners, and I'm not talking all rugby players and, and levels and whatever, but a team sport compared to individual sport like this, your discipline and your will to want to achieve yeah. is so much yes. greater than anything else, I think. You know, when people ask you why, you know, that, that's a constant question I get. Why do you do this? Why do you sacrifice so much? I mean, you're training six hours a day. Six days a week, you know, that, that's all you do. I mean, you'll never see me on a golf course. You'll never see me playing cricket anymore. I don't do those kind of things. Mm. It's just this. And the question is quite simple. I always believed I was going to be that inspiration, motivation. Mm. God put me on this earth for a reason. Mm. I never understood what my purpose was. When I was 29, that purpose came to me. And I realized I was meant to inspire other people to believe in themselves, to do better. And if I'm doing that, I've done some good in the world. And that's why I keep driving as hard as I do. Like, I'll never acknowledge myself in any way. I'll never say, like, even now, everybody says to me, you should be proud of yourself. You got to the games. If anybody knows me, I'm burning inside. This is killing me that I came out eighth mm. because I knew how good I was. Better I knew what, what I was capable yeah. of. And everybody's like, oh, writing him off. He's old. He's going to retire. Mm. Hell no. You're going to see an even bigger beast come in the next but few there's years. No age. There's no age it, limit. It's just there? the training. The training yeah. becomes so mm, hard. Difficult. I mean, your body takes a lot of strain. I mean, the last three years was intense for me. I had severe back issues. I had all sorts of health issues. I became diabetic, even though I eat so well and trained. Family history just dictated that. So, you know, you've got to do a lot of things to get you to that point. 
But I still, again, believed in myself. I just went out there. And yes, everybody says to me, you did well to get there. That's not what I'm about. Yeah, There's yeah. more to me. There's a hell of a lot more. more. And, and watch your space because in the next few years, I'm not going to give up. That's for sure. Do you guys go over to veteran then or not? No. Uh, uh, we don't just... have that. It's just pretty much because, I mean, we've got guys that go on to like about 50 and stuff. But I'm not oh. that guy. I want to go on and make sure that I'm the best when I'm competing. Yeah. Like and I know, you want to and you want to leave yeah. on that note. Yeah. At the moment, I just don't feel like it's the right way for me to end, because wow. I just have so much more to give. Uh, yeah, great. Interesting. In one of your interviews that I've that I listened to, and um, some of the script that I read, um, you actually mentioned that Tokyo is going to be your <laughs> your milestone. That's yeah. going to be the one. Yeah, Tokyo was meant to be. To be yeah. honest with you, it was all set. That was it. Tokyo was going to be it. I mean, yeah. I have a massive following in Japan. So there was this huge thing about me coming to Japan and competing. And like I said, I did all the hard work towards it. And then when COVID struck and everything changed, all of that changed because I'm a showman. When I go, I'm in a very chill guy. But when I get into that ring, I'm somebody else. Yeah, they call me the business. Hulk because I guess transform i get super aggressive yeah. I become... not only that that's gentle giant <laughs> as well <laughs> yeah the gentle, gentle giant when i'm not competing yeah but when i'm so out we've got the, the gentle yeah, giant yeah, yeah, here yeah. now when, I, when i'm out there it's totally yeah, i think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that gentle giant goes with his voice because <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just it's just about going out there and just just loving every minute of it but i give it everything because i believe there's so much honor but that's in your passion though yeah it is you know that's what i'm saying i don't make money from this it's not something that's like going to make me wealthy in any way and that's not why I do it that's what I say I, I just love the fact that I go out there and I represent South Africa proudly every interview I do I always say that. people always push me to say what medal are you going to win I never say that I always say I want to be the best that I can be and I always want to represent South Africa proudly when I got back to my hotel room I mean it was 1 a.m they were working on my back because of all the issues after falling so many times and I mean some people would look at me and say but why did you keep getting up because I f- kept believing in myself. I kept seeing that I could do this. And I'm fighting for my kind. I always say I'm like a soldier goes to war. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel that every time I got up after falling and showed the people, ah, nobody's going to put me down. I'm mm-hmm. going to keep going at it. And even till the last row, I remember telling my coach, I can't win from the stands. Mm-hmm. I can win from yeah. here. Yeah. And that's what I did. I went out there and I gave it my best. And yes, it wasn't good enough to get us a medal. But still, hopefully somebody saw that and they said, hey, you know what? That's a guy with heart. That's the inspiration, yeah. 100%. Eighth in the world. I think it's <laughs> that's damn <pretty> good. good. <laughs> that's that's nah, huge. Yeah, look, I, I, I hear you 100%. It's like, it's like the Springboks. We go back to rugby now again. Um, we play in the World Cup and, and England didn't win. They got silver medal. That's not good enough for them. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're a true athlete and you're a true believer in yourself and what you want to achieve, look, you, you're fortunate in the sense that um, you can always go back. You know, if you look at if you look at a guy like Dwayne Vermeulen that was injured now with the British and Irish Lions coming here, he will never get that opportunity again. Yes. Um, he can now go, that's the one thing in my life that I but couldn't achieve, I'm stopping to play. What is he? He's also a true soldier. Yeah. He says it's not going to stop him. He wants to go to the next World Cup. Yeah, 100%. But then you take a guy like Cornell Hendricks. Yeah, He's look at him. All of that. 100%. He's gone through all of that in his life and he still came back and he's better than what he yeah, ever been. Ever been, yeah. No, better than what he's and, ever been. And, so, and, and that's what it's about, you know, and, and just listening to yourself and, and the motivation and the passion. To me, the passion speaks more than than motivation is because the passion is oh, also yeah. what motivates yeah. you, you know, 100%. and you want to get going. Yeah. And if you want to be true to yourself, then maybe it's your wife. Um, you don't want to disappoint her or whatever. There's something in your life that drives you differently. All athletes are different. 
Um, but to hear, and, and you know, this is what I say about rugby players or about a team sport. I think, let's take rugby now, if you have 15 players that are as passionate or the same direction or the same beliefs and that, and you put that together, then it's also like unstoppable type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you need to motivate yourself and you need to focus on where you want to go and set exactly. your own goals. Yeah. And if Tokyo was a goal not achieved, that's not how I want to end. Exactly. There's exactly. the next yeah. one and I will make sure that I'm okay. And, and that's how I see it already. You know, it's like most people said, oh, I'll take a month off, analyze. No time for that. Yeah. Literally on the plane down here. I was already, mine, these wheels are turning, yeah, yeah. what I need to do next, how, and, and I literally got off the plane, I think it was Tuesday evening, Wednesday I phoned the coach, and I said to him, this is what he says, only you, only you would be that guy, yeah, he says, plan. why don't you just take a break, I said, no, because in my mind, I mean, I'll be going to bed, and my arm will fling out, yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking already what I need to do yeah. to get better, and, and that's the way you turn out champions, and I'm sorry if, if I'm sounding arrogant, but that's the reality, I've earned that keep. I'm one of the best in the world. I won a medal at the previous games, and I know what I need to do to get yeah. to the next games to win a medal again. Yeah, hundred percent. And and that and you, uh, luckily, um, you're one of those that have achieved before. Yeah. And you know what you're capable of, and you know you can achieve. Hence, not stopping. Exactly. Yeah, uh, no, brilliant. Um, just getting back to the games itself. Um, you guys weren't allowed to to go out. You were staying in the in the village. Um. <laughs> <laughs> How was that for you, staying in the village and not not a, not being allowed to go out into Tokyo and and, and well, well, there's two parts. I've been to Tokyo before, right? Like at least yeah. four times. So I've seen Tokyo a lot, so I'm okay with that. Whereas the yeah. others were struggling because they really <laughs> wanted to get to experience <laughs> so, Tokyo. No, so, so I was actually making so them feel bummer. bad a lot of the time. And say, yeah. oh, this is that and that. And the guy's like, oh, damn, we hate you because you got yeah. to know all of these yeah. places. That's sad, but, actually, but, but that's it's, true, it's, it was tough. I won't lie to you. Um, I think it's harder for the athletes that have experienced it differently before, where we've been to games where full-blown. Yeah. The new kids, it was easier for them because they don't know what to compare it against. Mm, yeah. So their transition wasn't that hard. For us, I think it was a lot harder because, one, no spectators. Two, not being allowed out. Literally, you're getting tested every day. COVID test every single day. you only restricted to your roommate, nobody else. I mean, I'll give you an example. The Australian team, where I have a few of the friends that compete, right? They would stand at least two meters away to speak to you. Nobody will come anywhere close to you. And it's even worse if you're South African. I think everybody's scared of the Delta variant, so nobody comes near the South African guys kind of thing, right? <laughs> so it was the only time like people were like, staying away from us. As soon as they see South African shirt, if you had a plain black shirt on, you're fine. Nobody would even know who you are. You so know, well, kind of I did shower this morning. You can come closer. <laughs> but it was, it was really strange. You know, yes. It was difficult from that aspect mm. where... You know, normally when you go to games, you got to experience all of that. Yeah, Engaging with other athletes, understanding how it is. Yeah, we lost a lot of that. that. Yeah. And I think it was difficult for the new, well, I, I say for me in that aspect, but the newer guys didn't get to experience that. You yes. know, they stayed in their room. I'll give you an example. We have a massive room, and yes. an apartment, and in there you have four beds. I mean, four rooms, and there's two, four, six beds in total. So each one pretty much shares. And some of the kids didn't even come out of their room. They would be playing on their phones or whatever the whole time. So they didn't get to understand what the games really means, how what it is to, like, I'll give you an example. In Rio, um, I was rushing for training. And when I got there, there was a girl in a wheelchair. She literally couldn't get herself up the ramp. And me being me, put my bag down, rushed up the ramp, left at the top. Thank you. Back in, got my bags, went to training. Every day after that, that young girl greeted me. And she was from yeah. China. And she put her two hands together and she like always uh, greeted me. And yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, this is amazing. 
Yeah. You know, that's what it's about. You know, you get to meet all these people. And then you start to realize my disability is not that bad. Because everybody's yeah. quick to say, oh, I'm this and I'm that. And they're always complaining. Yeah. Until you see people with no arms mm. eating with their feet like yeah. a salad with yeah. a fork. I mean, that's next level. Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah. My disability is nothing. My disability is a joke compared to what these people yeah. have. I mean, I've seen blind people eating and, the, and they don't even drop. And then there's me like eating, constantly <laughs> dropping everywhere. You know, you, you start to realize what's important in life. And you start to realize how lucky we are with what we have. And, and there's a lot of that I learned out of it. And it made me a better person. And I hope going forward into 2024, that's going to be back in again, where these kids are going to get to learn and understand that. Cool. Um, talking about training, um, getting to your training venues, and obviously they... There must have been a, a way to get to, to training venues and to training. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, I must say it was a bit complicated the first few days for us. A lot of walking. I mean, we shot because we don't walk that much. We don't run either, so we don't <laughs> walk that much. I think every day I was averaging over 10 kilometers in total. In total with just All in the, the village. Between the village. And you must remember, you're eating three times a day, so you walk to the dining hall back again walk to training venue and you got to take a bus obviously so the bus takes you then you got to walk from where they drop you off and because of covid and all the restrictions you were very limited with where you could go mm -hmm. and stuff like that and yeah easily 10ks a day of walking oh, you know it was just you. insane the amount of walking that we were doing uh, i remember my roommate saying to me we need to pump the brakes a little on the last couple of days before we get to competition because yeah. that's how much we yeah. had to walk that's so good. we would limit the amount of walking and stuff but in general it wasn't too bad i think the struggle that we had was the bus schedules and I don't think Japan were ready for the Paralympics as far as the way they had it set up for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Olympics is easy. You just have a group of shot putters, they need to go there. We had different codes. You had yeah, people right. in wheelchairs, you had yeah. people that are standing throws, seated throws. You had all complications, which I don't think they factored in. Mm -hmm. And there were days where the bus ride would take us two hours to get to the stadium, oh, which is like you, about 40 minutes away, you know. And that's and it was part tough. of your preparation yeah, gone. Exactly. Right? And wow. funny story, I actually passed out in the bus on one of the first days. And when I passed out, my phone slipped out of my pocket. So I didn't know anything because I was out. And then when I got up, I left the bus and I'm like, where's my phone? So I started digging through the bags. By that time, the bus actually left. And... Ooh. Only in Japan. They found my phone. A few yeah, days later, I got my phone back. But that's how long we were wow. sitting in the bus that you'd actually pass out. You'd, yeah. You're just so tired from sitting in the bus. And there's nothing you could do about it. You just had to accept it. Two things. The best in Tokyo and the worst in Tokyo. The best in Tokyo. I think, I think for me, getting to be part of what my roommate achieved is somebody that I've been with from 2011. I mean, he was a 16-year-old kid when I first met him. Mm -hmm. To watch him competing at his first Paralympic Games, we built this thing up. The two of us have been where we were training partners when I go down to Stellenbosch, all of that. So it was probably the best moment for me. It was watching him compete, uh, getting to be a Paralympian, which he always dreamt about. He was a big rugby player. Um, he played for Paul Ruiz uh, down yeah, in Stellenbosch yeah. with no arm. Wow. He was a fullback. Okay. Amazing. And, and yeah. he tells me some of his stories about how when he was playing, how these kids would laugh at him because they'd say, oh, he's probably the weakling because he doesn't have a harm and he never dropped a ball ever. A few. <laughs> and Riches Bay, Rugby yes, Club's Riches, prime yeah, example. Yeah. And uh, I think that was one of my highlights of the games, was watching him. The worst for me was obviously not being able to compete the way I wanted to at the games. Yes. Um, those weather conditions were just horrendous. I mean, not making excuses. I'm not that guy. I'll never yeah. make excuses for it. 
but yeah, I think for me, not being able to give my best was one of the worst things for me. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's all I can say. <laughs> and, wow. And, and one thing we didn't, we should have said this in the beginning of, of yes. uh, our program when we did the introduction is proudly a Mamsumtotian. Proudly a Mamsumtotian. Yeah. Uh, it's not often that, that uh, I think that it is probably, we just don't know, but it's not often that in our own community yeah. we have someone like Tyron and, and people that go to the Olympics or Yes. You know, they play for the box or whatever, and it's a real honor to have someone in in, in, in and re representing you. South Africa, and then obviously for us in Touchline to yeah. have him in studio. And we had Jason a few weeks ago, yeah. so uh, big ups for the athletics. It's actually yeah. crazy. It's so well brilliant. done, and it's, and it's an honor having you here. And then you, you're working for Toyota? Yeah. IT? Uh, so you're not strong, only you yeah. clever as well. <laughs> I think so. I, I pretend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Uh, I've been working for Toyota for 15 years. Um, been really good to me over the last three, allowing me to compete and and get me to go to Tokyo and stuff like that. So obviously, Toyota is being one of the global sponsors yeah. for the Olympics and Paralympics. So that that avenue was created, and I became part of something called T a Global Team Toyota, which meant I was actually one of the athletes they would help to get to the yeah. Tokyo Games. Yeah. So you like an an ambassador yeah, for them? Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm actually one of their global ambassadors at the moment. Oh, great. Yeah. So obviously um, one of my roles was to go overseas and actually represent Toyota in different events and things yeah. like that. But the biggest thing was obviously going to go to Tokyo. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So obviously do they do they obviously give you time off when you need to yeah, train? Yeah, and things so they've like been that? super amazing to me. I mean, like wow. I can't tell you how great it's been. They allowed me flexibility with my working times. They've even given me a lesser position to actually allow me to focus more on that because I used to run the IT department at one point yeah. and it was so demanding on me. So they took me away from that to give me more time to actually focus on the oh. games. So they've been really, really good to me. I can't tell you how amazing. Yeah, they, they're good for community work yeah. and things like that yeah. as well. So and I mean, our, our leadership volumes. as well. I mean, if I tell you some of the messages I received and stuff was amazing. Wow. Even the staff, wow. They did videos for me. They did yeah, dances. Yeah. It, was, oh, it was amazing. And it's the things that inspire you. You know, yeah. I always say to people, when you're sitting in that room, it's literally four walls. You got nobody there with you. Yeah, no, it's, and it's 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 a lonely place. Yeah. And people don't. Everybody only thinks of the glory behind mm. sport. They yes. don't realize how yeah. tough things can be. And I think, and especially in, in in sorry, I interrupted you there, but especially in under conditions like this with COVID. Yes. You know, if if going awesome. back to rugby now again, or yourself going to Tokyo, or wherever you go in the world, you know, you have first the newbies that go, yeah. and they think we're the box on now in Australia. <laughs> we're going to Australia. Whippy, you're only going to go there to the stadium, back and to your back hotel, again. come exactly. home again. You exactly. haven't seen yeah. anything of yeah. the country or anything. Whereas in the past, now I look at the British and Irish Lions. Yes. They had a few interviews with some of the guys that, that when they went home. And they say their biggest regret coming to South Africa is the fact that they couldn't explore. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not the norm. It's exactly. you confined yeah. to your hotel room. Um, all you do is do what you love and that's play rugby. Yeah. But you can't explore. You can never go back and... Tell your family or the kids when they grow up, yeah. yeah, you must go to South Africa or you must go to Tokyo because yeah. you can't say. Yeah, you miss out. But I think, I think Tyrone touched on it when he said that the youngsters didn't know what they were missing because they never experienced yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you were in uh, Rio yeah. and in Beijing. No, was. no, I didn't go to Beijing. I was obviously in world championships and stuff, but oh, okay. my first games was Rio. The Rio and, games. And what you, you experienced? Experience, yeah, I mean, it's like, you get to go to Cabana Beach, for example, yeah. right? 
and you get to watch events. You get here we couldn't even watch our fellow athletes. For example, I couldn't go and watch tennis. I couldn't go and watch swimming. It was just athletics I could see. Oh, Whereas there, you could, yeah, you yeah, couldn't, and and it was sad because we had some athletes amongst us, and I'm sure they had no support. So we were like, oh, maybe we could go and just cheer for them. I competed on the last day, so I was there for like two weeks. So I figured, yeah. uh, in between, I could go and and they said, no, you're not allowed to because of COVID. Terrible, it was actually. tough, you know. Yeah. Whereas in the past in Rio, we went and watched swimming, yeah. we went and watched archery, whatever it might be. You were allowed to do that and support your teammates, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's what actually separated us slightly because mm-hmm. everybody felt you stick to your code. You know, you don't venture off into the others. And maybe for Paris, it'll be a little bit different if COVID is no longer by then. I was just going to say now, I mean, you go over what, how big was your group? Oh, it was 34 athletes in total. Okay, so you're 34 in total and you're there for two weeks for argument's sake. Yet you actually individual on tour because yes. you can't yeah. share anything. Yeah. You well, can't. That's, you and your roommate actually. Yeah. As you exactly. Said, your roommate's sad. pretty much your best friend kind yeah. of thing when you're there. And it's the two of you moving yeah. together. I mean, it's like lucky parties. He's a shot putter as well. So the two of us yeah, were yeah. two guys going. We would train roughly around the same time. We'd gym together. We'd eat together. But after a while, I mean, uh, you need to also. To the same person <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm sure he got tired of me. I'm an old guy compared to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So eventually, to get to a point where he'd obviously would need to explore himself a little bit, and he couldn't. You know that kind of a thing. Yeah, I know that feeling. I need to sit here with Mark. I need to sit here with Mark week after week. <laughs> and yeah. I'm the young guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Um, Amazing. Wow, it is amazing. Uh, let me it tell you quickly, brilliant. and I know it's we're not end of the show yet, but it's so inspiring listening to you, and more so your passion behind everything. You don't, I mustn't say you don't find it often. I think there's there's many people like that out there, but um, I mean we're fortunate enough as well to to mix with many many sports person, and you don't find this often. So okay. it's actually. At my young age, as I said, I'm younger than than Cus. Um, it's a very really inspiring, and, Thank you. and may that continue for a long well, time. And and in your mem's toti, you know, it's, it's sad that that uh, people don't know about you and your achievements. I think and, my and name needs to be bigger on my car, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe it should make that the logo smaller and your name bigger. <laughs> you know, it, it it is sad that that we as as Sports representatives in the mums and toti don't really know that. It, it, yeah. It's sad. And I just wanted to say, f- me in my advanced age, um, you, you're inspiring me. Thank you. you you're no, really no, inspiring no, 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 me. You, you've inspired me tonight in um, preparing for this, reading all your, your interviews, watching some of your interviews. It's, it's massively inspiring. It's, it's huge. The, the one thing about me is everything is very clear. You know, yes. I always say to people, this is how I operate. There's an on switch and there's an off switch. There's no in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you see is what you're going to get with me. And, and I always believe that if one person takes from what I say and what I do and becomes better from it, mm-hmm. great, I've done something good. Yeah. You know, um, just to share something, uh, obviously I have a charity where we support kids in need of prosthetic legs. And I think it's over 1,000 kids already in, in almost 12 years. When we first started, you know, like nobody really supports you. And now it's growing on and it's doing really well with it. This current Paralympics, we've had three kids that came through our project wow. that represented South Africa. In, oh. in, in Rio, we had one. So we, we're moving in a growing. rate where mm. we're contributing to something great. And for yes. me, that's the biggest thing is that I believe the next generation. Yeah, you know what? The reality is there. I, I'm getting older. The reality is I'm not going to be there for the next five games. 
these kids can be and yes. we're creating something greater and for me that's the biggest thing if i'm doing that good in this world i know i've done something good oh putting it out there and putting my putting my neck out yeah from a touchline perspective and a, a members from totally rugby club perspective we will definitely punt your you're not going to rest uh, we'll punt your challenge <laughs> you're not going to rest you. support you uh, so that's perfect i would like you to get that motto out in toti you know yeah. If my mind can conceive it and my heart can believe it, I can achieve it. I mean, just that today has, has struck me as huge. It's massive. And if we can get that out in Toti and, and, and get but you know, Toti to believe it. During the ride, for example, yes. you saw that. I'm being honest with you. During the ride was a few weeks before we had to leave for a training yes. camp. Yeah. I was down after that. I saw it because I love my country so much. And, and we all do. I mean, yes. this is our home. Yeah. This is what we believe in. And I was just down and out, sitting at home, and I was just saying, I can't believe all this that's going on. And then when you walk out in the streets and you see the amazing people, mm-hmm. and I was like amazed by it. And that's one of the things that picked my spirit up, and mm-hmm. I'm being honest about mm-hmm. it. You see this community and you see the people around yeah. it. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. You know, you constantly see these things, and I think people need to bring it to light. People need to share these kind of stories. And I always say all of us have stories to tell. And I think the more we tell the stories, the better it is for the community. Definitely. That's how we're building unity. This is how we're getting stronger together. And that's one of the things I've always said is that if we want to go forward, we have to be stronger together. Yeah, yes. no fact. Definitely. Yo, how do we build on this? <laughs> Let's move on to yeah. some rugby. Um, you can chat with us. I'll try my best. I'm not, I'm not the biggest rugby guy, but no, I'll... Uh, you don't well, have to be. Having, having you, said that, you might not be the biggest rugby guy, but you're pretty big. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Not bad well, for a non-rugby yeah, player, no, most of us. <laughs> with a nickname, The Hulk, um, and you can see it, why? Um, no, why? You're, <laughs> Mark, you're blind. Uh, nobody yeah, let's move on to some rugby. Karika played, Karika final played this weekend. Um... Sorry, what was that? Oof. Yeah, how do we carry on with this? <laughs> Yo. Um, Bulls 44, Sharks 10. Yes, Mark? Yeah, firstly, uh, well done to both sides for, for obviously making yes. the final. Um, you know, there's many teams that, that compete to try and make it. Um, same as with Tyron and them, you need to qualify. Um, and only the best go through. But when you get there, sometimes your best isn't good enough. And uh, on the day, the Sharks, unfortunately, weren't on par. Um, I'm not saying they were poor. Uh, everyone has their, own, has their own point of view as to what they saw and whatever. But like with anything, no one goes out there to have a bad game. On the day, the Bulls were just superior. And, and if you go back to our last week's recording, we did say that on that Friday night's performance, where Western Province got nailed yeah, by, by the Bulls, Bulls. we yes. did say no team in South Africa yeah. will be able to stand up against them. And unfortunately for the Sharks, that's exactly what has happened. Yes. Um, but, you know, as uh, the coach Sean Everett said, their pre- preparation was good. Many things didn't go for them. Um, ultimately, uh, the best side won, and, and rightfully so. They've been the most superior side in the last two seasons they in South been. Africa. And well done to Jake White and his Chargers. Uh, definitely. But that's one of the things with team sports. You know, you never know how it's going to go. And and that's yes. one of the reasons why I actually changed over from team sport. It's hard because you can't control every single person in yeah. your team. 
You might be a great player, you might be a great scrum off, fullback, whatever it might be, but you never know what's going to happen on the day. So, you know, for me, it became a challenge when I was playing cricket because you didn't have the same dedication. Yes. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that the Sharks players were not dedicated, but I'm just yeah. giving my personal experience. Yeah. And that's why sometimes when you venture into individual sport, it's all about you and what you're doing. Yes. So it's, it's a tough one. You know, it's, it's never easy for a guy to go out there and say he never gave his best. I'm sure when you put that shirt on, and I mean... Like I said, wearing green and gold, putting on the Sharks jersey is the same thing. You're yeah, wearing that with yeah, honour. So everybody goes out there and they want to die for that jersey. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, I, and if, if you look at the Sharks, they build up to the Curry Cup final. I'll speak under correction now. Uh, they are the team that whose games were cancelled more than any other yes. side in South yeah. Africa going there. So and funny, they only had half a Funnily enough, their game against the Bulls was cancelled. It was one the of the first games. One. Yeah, yeah, the first no, one definitely. was cancelled. Yeah. And uh, but look, as we said, I mean, on the day the Bulls were superior and and well deserved. Just things just didn't go out our no, way. Just something know, so. Butch James said was um, after the game. He said sometimes a team that needs to defend so fiercely in the first ten fifteen minutes and and get through it gets so much energy from that that they come back in in such a vengeance that you can't stop them. And and it's exactly what happened here. The Sharks just came at the Bulls for the first 10, 15 minutes and the Bulls defended and defended. They made something like 43 tackles yeah. and and not missing one. And that just inspired them to to come back at that kind of vengeance that they had. But, you know, it's always like that. And and the Sharks went into the Curry Cup final as the underdogs. Yes. And you can look at history. The underdog will always come out guns blazing in the beginning. And you're so-called better side, for the lack of a better word. Um, if they know they can suck contain and yeah. just suck it up, suck they it up. know suck they will up. be successful. Same as in, in any athletics, like yourself, um, you know you might your first throw might be a bad yeah. one. You know you are better than that. Yeah. Second one might be a bad one. And whoever your competitor is might have surpassed certain things, but you know you can still be better than that. You will back yourself yeah. right until your last throw because it only takes one throw. Exactly, right? just one throw and, and that's that it. that could be your last throw. So if you if you have two or three missed throws in the beginning and you shoot yourself in the foot by becoming negative, you Find will never make day. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you only got one foot though. <laughs> yes, you're right. The studio is hot inside. <laughs> <laughs> you so, literally um, stepped into yeah, that one. <laughs> so, and and that is exactly it, you know. So then, you, and if you don't believe in yourself, you will never have that last throw. Yeah. Same as with the with the sharks, and and you know it works both ways. Yes. So the bulls would have taken confidence out of it, knowing our defense is good. Yes. The sharks cannot penetrate us. The sharks, flip side to the corners to the stone, though they'll go to say, we've tried our best, we can't get through. Went to now, so now they start doubting themselves, yeah. and the opposition gets in front a little bit, and that's a ball game. That's exactly what happened, unfortunately. I mean, if you look at the Harold Foster try, that first try, um, that was a almost a turnover ball, and the gap was just there. It was just open, and it was it was literally the first time the the Bulls got the ball. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> our listeners might not might might definitely not agree with me now, but. I mean, Tyron is in here, and he, he can talk uh, with me here, I hope. Um, you know, if you look at Lowe was sick in training, right? So they, they had few food poisoning before the Curry Cup final. And um, 
in training or in warm-up, he said to the coach that he's not well, he's not strong enough. So now you get a guy that needs to step up to the plate in his place from a mental preparation mm-hmm. point of view because you yes. know you're coming off the bench. Yeah. All of a sudden, five minutes before the game, you need to switch on into a different specific where you need to be. As, and, that, and I feel for Jeremy Ward. I mean, he's a great player. Yeah. And that is what happened. The, him and his centre part weren't in sync in defence, and that's exactly what happened. And that set the tone for the rest of the game, unfortunately, yeah. at centre. So it's the same as in yeah. any sport. You focus. It's like when there's a rain delay all of a sudden. You all focus. We're going onto the field now. Now there's thunder. 45 you know. minutes later, you're cold. You're not there. You, now you sit in the, in the change room and you yeah, yeah. talk nonsense with your mate. So you're not on that specific level. And so many things that happened. And, and I'm saying the listeners won't believe because everyone says you're a professional. We're all human. Yeah. That's the bottom line. So we all function the same. All your logistics are the same. Some people get there quicker than others, unfortunately. On the day, it wasn't, wasn't for us. No, they weren't there. I mean, I know, I know Jeremy quite well, and I know how that guy is. He's an animal. He's an absolute animal. I watch him train, the way he thinks, the way he conducts himself. And... I can almost guarantee you he was thriving on that. This is going to be my moment. But you can't control certain situations. And, and this is something that I've learned with my psychologist. You focus on what you can control, not what you can't. And sometimes even the most experienced of us, when we get out there, we want to try and control everything. Yeah, and that's where the problem comes in. Just focus on what you need to do to focus on what you've been working on in training and everything falls 100%. into place. And I mean, for me, for example, the, the weather. I never factored weather into account ever. And that was the one thing I couldn't control. And right. that's what I think probably got to me the worst. Yeah. So you know, you're right. Sorry, Cass. Yeah. If, if you did and you managed to train in weather like that every now and again and you got there, you might still not have been able to control it, yeah. but you would have been more comfortable exactly. in knowing exactly. what's going to happen. Yeah. So sadly so. But I can take it that in the next four years, you're definitely going to step outside. I'm going to take outside. a hose pipe and throw it over my head <laughs> constantly and train. Uh, because I think in the last 10 years of throwing here in Durban, I've never had rain on a field ever. So, so next time it rains in Tokyo, you're yeah. going to be out I'm there I'm going to get to hold a hose pipe. There we go. <laughs> Then moving on to some Springbok rugby. First of all, well done to the Bulls. Um, deserved winners. Yeah, no, definitely. definitely deserved winners. And and all the best for the European tour. Definitely. Um, you know, our franchises leave to go to Europe on, on Friday. And uh, it's going to be tough encounters for all of us. We know exactly. I think, you know, the players and the coaches alike know exactly what is, yes. what is no, lying ahead of us. Um, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's sad from a South African point of view to think, and I say this with respect to all our franchises, that on current um, performance, the Bulls are only chance. Sad reality is, Benetton a few months ago, showed the us. Bulls were our only chance and we got annihilated in the they, final. They showed so, us. you know, it's like anything, it's an honor to go overseas and, and, and perform for your for your province. I mean, they're not only going to go and perform for their provinces. They're representing South Africa at the end yes. of the day. And we are going to play against the best in Europe with their international players and that. So it's a stepping stone. It's a learning curve for everyone. I just, I'm just hoping that, you know, from a South African spectator point of view, we back our boys all the way, regardless of what happens, seeing that it's a first tournament for us. A first for many, like with the Olympics now when people go overseas and that. Give us a year or two. Let's not embarrass ourselves. I agree with that. Um, let's perform at the highest level that we can. Let's learn from this, come back, 
and be a better team next year when we go over. Nothing stops us, though, on the day to make it count. I think we must just get rid of the arrogance that we spoke about it before in, this, in, in, in one of our programs, the, the South African arrogance that um, we have to go there and, and perform at, at the level that we know we can't at the moment. Um, give the boys a chance. Give them a chance to build up and, and get through this, this last two years. Are we too much of a now mentality yes, we that's the problem we, we want everything yes. now we don't yes. realize 100%. it's a long-term effect yeah you know if you look at a lot of the professional teams look at they don't just wake up one day and say oh we're gonna win it there's a uh, plan in place yeah. yes. and we've got to trust in that plan as well yeah. and, and we, we have to one also needs to take into account the force the first four rounds we will be playing without our springbok contingent yes and we are playing against teams that have got their full internationals with them so it's going to be a tough more so, tough first four rounds for us to get used to. We're playing away from yes. home. Like the Springboks <laughs> realized, um, it sounds crazy, but now all of a sudden you're playing in front of spectators, partisan crowd. Um, it's, it's not going to be easy. You know, but it's going to be an honor for these guys to go. I mean, Sia Kulisi said it so beautifully on, on, on Sunday after their game. Um, you know, they still had the privilege of doing what they love, where there's so many yes. people in South Africa that haven't got it. Um, and they need to take that in itself and, and make it count. So, uh, look, it's it's yeah, any sport. Is, it's currently, it's a privilege to play. We never know if it's the last one that you're participating in. Mm. Um, and like with everything, um, I don't think the guys will go out to disappoint on purpose. They still no, are definitely not. proud of what they're doing. And, I, and I wish all of them very well. Yeah, I think each and every one of them doesn't matter what jersey he wears are there to to do the best and yeah, to win they're the game. They're not South there Africa. to lose. They're representing us now. Uh, you know, there's no more sharks and bulls and yeah. and, and stormers and, and lions. Whenever they take the field and it's not the sharks we're playing, still we're talk to, 100%. Yeah. We're still going to talk about them the same way. Huh? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, definitely. But but they they, they Posit- will represent positively. <laughs> positively, but they. But they will represent South Africa. But yeah. I mean, they're not going there to lose. That's, no, that's definitely sure. not. And, you know, we, we wish all of them well. And, yes. and uh, if we can just go quickly uh, while we're on the subject um, to the Lions, um, well done to to the coaches that have been appointed there. You know, yes. one of uh, one of the coaches we had in studio previously, Ricardo Lopesher, he's been appointed yes, there as well. he's been appointed, well. yeah. And uh, Cash van Rooyen is, is leading the, the Chargers there again. And good luck to them. May, may they have a... Yes. A good season. Then moving on to some Springbok rugby. Um, losing to Australia, 28-26 um, in the last minute. I've spoken to to Mike Greenaway during the week and um, he, had, he had quite a bit to say. And one of the things that came out was the Quade Cooper um, inclusion in that side that that was a specific and deliberate move to to counter South Africa. Your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, firstly, well done to, to the Wallabies. Um, and obviously, not so well done to the box. Um, yet again, uh, I think maybe we underestimated the Wallabies. Um, we were on such a high. Um, one thing that we need to learn, though, going forward, unlike New Zealand, for argument's sake, is to how to remain world champions. You know, it's not a up and yes. a down thing. You need to be yeah. consistent yeah. at the you end of the day. We were, in our standards, shocking on the weekend. And yeah. this sounds arrogant now, as we did lose the game. Yes. I don't think the Wallabies necessarily won the game. We lost it because 
Uh, we were just oh. not not anywhere. Three tries to one. I mean, no, no, fair enough. On, but you know. our discipline normally our we discipline, are more disciplined 100%. than that. Normally we are more structured than that, and so mm. forth. And um, the Quade Cooper one. Look, if if that is the case, then well done to Rennie, their coach. He had the magic of doing that. Having said that, though, he did not have the guarantee that after four years, Quade Cooper was going to put on the display that he did. There's no guarantee. We've got Andre Pollard, who was probably one of the best tens in world rugby, and he had an off day. So there's no guarantee in anything. That that preparation, and I think maybe the hunger on Quade Cooper's side to prove his critics wrong and to, to show that it's not the Quade Cooper of old and whatever, um, obviously from a motivational point of view, as Darling yes. was alluding to in that, sparked something different. And, you know, we South African, but sport is, is in our blood. And Quade Cooper, hats off to him. That guy is a, obviously a New Zealander by, by birth. By birth, yeah. He's been fighting for how long to get Australian citizenship. He still hasn't got it right. Yet he goes out and plays for his adopted country the way that many predecessors haven't done before. And technically, single-handedly beating, beating the box, which is the world champions and that. And, you know, if it was a master stroke by the, by the coach, well done, Quade Cooper still had to operate. And on the day, yet again, that's just what we were speaking about earlier, it just worked for him, and he couldn't put a foot wrong. And let's hope the box are better on the weekend. The way, the way he spoke to the, to the forwards before every lineup. I mean, he went in there and he, and he spoke to the guys. He wasn't part of that squad um, in previous games. He only joined them a couple of weeks ago. And, and he stepped up to the plate and he, he, he took over the role as the leader. And he speaking to the, to the forwards and psyching them up so much that they actually took our balls. They, they made the line out so difficult for the box that it's, it's frightening. But I think it's, it's, it's like anything. And I'm going to come back to, to you now, Tyron, when you were in the Olympics now, talking about the youngster that shared your room with you. So you have a youngster and you have an experienced campaigner. Yes. Now in Quade Cooper's case, he's a 70-test veteran. Yeah. Fair enough, he hadn't played for four years. You don't, uh, we, you don't lose whatever you've achieved in the past overnight. So he was specifically brought in Yes. to work with the youngsters like we've been doing with the yep. Monterey Stains and so forth. But the value that an old head, sorry I'm looking at you now, <laughs> that an old head has on a young yeah. head like that is invaluable. You, can't, you, can't, you yes. can't buy it. Yeah. So, I mean, you can speak for yourself now. In, in, yes, it's different. Well, not really different. They were confined to their rooms for two weeks as well. The yes. box, um, yeah. they were only cleared to go out on the Friday. But in all your knowledge that you've learned over the years, in the two weeks that you were sharing a room with this youngster, I mean, he would have learned more in the two weeks now than probably ever before. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> it, it, it's actually interesting, though, because he's, he's a, a mini-me in a way, in the way that he conducts himself and the way he does things. And that's why we have such a good bond, is that, you know, if you, if you look at the way we think, we know what we need to do. Nobody tells us, get up at this time. Guys, you need to go to training. Guys, you need to do... We just get up and we know what we need to do, you know. And I think that's the thing. Um, the two of us just gel so well together. There are things that he didn't know, he didn't understand, and I obviously share that with him, and I was giving him insight into when he steps into that ring. Yes, there's nobody there. But you got to visualize. I mean, I'll give you an example. I was doing something crazy before the games. I was taking this little boombox 
and playing crowd music. Like, I mean, everybody would walk around the stadium and they're like, what is wrong with this guy? What is he doing? I was mimicking crowd. So even though it's an empty stand, I could hear this noise in my head. And that's what I was saying to him. Think about all the people that have supported you. Think about your mom. Think about your dad. Think about all the people that care about you, all your trainers. Think about all of them sitting right there watching, watching. you and enjoy it. And, and you can see it in some of his pictures because in the past, he was never that excited about being there. You know, he was always stressed about it. He was smiling. He was enjoying it. And we had our own little code names that we were going on about. You know, it was like, um, and the doctor was sitting next to me. She's like, geez, you guys got codes, eh? And I'm like, yeah, we can't tell you what our codes mean. But, you know, that was where the excitement came out. And, and that's what I'm saying. You know, it, it, there's so much you can share as the older guy that's going to help him in his next journey. And I think, yeah. trust me on this, Mark, this words today that by Paris he's going to do some amazing things and mm-hmm. and I think he probably just remember just the journey with me in Tokyo that's going to help him to get there definitely so so if we can bring this into the rugby again we're speaking about great Cooper after after the game he obviously their broadcasters had a chat with him after the game and what you're saying now is is similar to what he was saying. So they were all going, oh, well done, great game. And he stopped right there because Sonny Bill Williams was actually sitting in the studio. Now, Sonny Bill Williams is a well-known New Zealander, but they are mates. So when Quaid went through his bad spell because he was, was, um, I don't want to say kicked out, that's a bad word, but technically kicked out of provincial rugby. Um, He was kicked out of the Wallaby game. And Sonny Bill Williams started mentoring him. He put him in a flat with him um, and he technically dedicated what happened on Saturday to, to his to Sonny brother, Williams. Sonny Bill Williams. Um, and they showed clips in studio when he was taking that last kick. Sonny Bill's reaction, he couldn't look at the game, he couldn't, and when he kicked it over, I mean, he's a New Zealander crying out loud and he's supporting the Wallaby now, beating us. Um, but it was more personal than yeah. just the two countries. It's it's his brother now, it's and, yeah. and you've invested in him Something and in whatever yeah. you know. So it becomes yeah. more personal, and not that like you're saying now. It's not that you want the credit or whatever, but there's mentally, there's so much that that goes through your mind and whatever. And if you look at, I mean, Quade Cooper's always been a remarkable player, but he had this thing, and I mean, he's 33 now, and he played like a youngster. It's like his first test for the Wallabies. He just wanted to pr- produce and, you know. You, you're talking now about him not taking the credit and it's, and it's not him wanting to show that he's, he's basically helped Quaid. If you just think of the impact that Quaid's performance would have had on, on Quaid's supporters, youngsters yeah, looking at Quaid yes, definitely. Um, throughout the world now, and if Quaid wasn't there... That wouldn't have happened. No, definitely. It wouldn't have had that impact on yeah. so many lives. But just his performance in coming back now, we were talking about Cor- Cor- uh, Cornell Index earlier. Quaid coming back now and, and giving that performance, the belief that he would have put into so many other lives throughout the world is just, no, I think 100%. it's phenomenal. Look, and, and it, has its, it has its negatives as well, because now um, you look at the youngster that was there. Um, his chances of now putting on the 10 jersey going forward is now all of a sudden going from 100% to, to zero, basically. And then you also have a look at, 
a guy like O'Connor that's supposed to be coming back now. O'Connor was supposed to play for the Wallabies next week, yes. coming back from injury. There's no ways that the coach can now drop Wade Cooper or to bring O'Connor back. So now all of a sudden, what has happened? The youngster might be negative in the sense that he knew he had number one position. He's now probably gone to number three. Yeah. Uh, O'Connor knew he was going to take his place, which is now probably not going to happen anymore. So there could be negativity there, but from a Wallaby perspective, it's created magic because now all of a sudden you've got three quality players fighting for one position. They're all keeping each other on their toes. Yeah. You know, so there's so many things that, that did happen. And, and but you know, true, true professional athletes, um, don't take credit for, for what they've done. Tyron, you're speaking about yeah. it yourself. You're shaking your head, and I'm saying true professional, although it's amateur. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what it is. You know, you're, if, you, if you have that ability to impart something, and even if it's a 1% that that person takes out of it and it becomes something, you don't need to take credit. Yeah. You know in yourself you've had a role to play. Yeah. And that is why I think good, good rugby players or good sports person go back and they either become coaches or mentors or whatever because you always give back because there was someone that inspired you yeah. to be where you are and, and it's just right that you give back. Okay, let's talk about the box. What's what's for them forward? How do they how do they regroup, uh, get their mindsets right? How do they come okay. back and beat the Wallabies? Can we ask Tyron that question from a from a athlete point of view when you have stumbling blocks? You know one of the biggest things is there's always hurdles. And they're there for a reason. They're there so that you can climb over them. But what you need to do is go back to the process. This is something that I've always done. Go back to the process. Go back to everything that you've done. Stick with that because it's going to help you. I mean, let's be honest. These guys are the best of the best. They played f together for years, so they know each other. They know what they need to do. I think s cut out all the negativity. Cut out what everybody's saying. Stick to what you believe in. When they played against the British and Irish Lions, they believed that they were going to go out there and do it. And you saw that dedication in the second yes. test. Same thing. Just go out there, bang this thing out. Think about every single person that believes in you. Think about every single reason why you want to do this. You know, like I, like I said, my, my biggest thing was I always inspire and motivate people. And that's why I put that green and gold on with honor. So, you know, I think for me, just take that step back, go back to your processes, and you watch the results will come. And the reason why I asked... Um to ask Tyron that question is for that exact thing. So I've read a few things coming out of the Springbok camp. Yes. To say they won't change anything. They yes. know they had a bad day. They believe regardless, said that after the game. regardless of what world the world spectators think about the Springboks, they believe in their systems, yes. they believe in themselves, they believe in their structures. Yes, yes. they will look at where they faltered, they will fix that to come back better. And stronger than before. They believe, regardless of where we are in the world at the moment, they believe we're not even close to as good as we were in the 99, in the 19, sorry, 2019 World Cup. They believe we are way off where we were there and they need to work harder to get there. They will not change. They will fix their self-pride and the nation pride is what will push them to succeed. So that is that's what's coming out of the Springbok camp. And and I agree with you 100%. Let's face it, you can't change overnight in any case. Your your fundamentals stay the same. Yes. You might tweak certain things, like let's say your rush defense didn't work. 
there might have been reasons for that not working. The one, the only try that the Wallabies scored was when Faf de Klerk rushed up yes. with, with um, yes. Mpimpi and the guy stepped Faf and he slipped the tackle and they scored. That's the only time it didn't work. Yes, sometimes it didn't work and we scrambled well and we, and we caught them. You can now not all of a sudden go to say, right, in five-minute spell, we conceded two tries for argument's sake. Yet in the last 15 test matches, we've only conceded five tries. There's a problem because there shouldn't be a problem. It's just at that specific focus time, you weren't focused or switched on, and that is what has happened. So I agree 100% with you. Um, I don't think there'll be, there'll be many changes. I know there's a lot of rumour or a lot of talk for looking at the bench. Yes. And there I might agree with, with people talking from a kicking point of view. Because if you don't have a proper kicker, um, in theory, what they also say is you should have two recognised kickers in your in your starting lineup, so that you don't let's say drop uh, Andre Pollard now to bring someone else on because he's controlling the game well. It's just kicking that's a problem. I didn't know this, but Faf de Klerk also kicks apparently, so they should let him kick. <laughs> but it is, you know, you you've got a trusted guy that performs week in and week out, and and let's face it. If, if we were the captains on the day and Andre Pollard missed his first kick, we'd go, what just happened? If he misses his second kick, we're going to go, wow, he can't miss his third yeah. kick, surely. Yeah. Then he misses his third one, and now you're already nine points down. Then you're going to go, oh, maybe there's a problem. Then only you're going to go, maybe there's a problem. Whereas if you were your ratty kicker and the first one, Andre Hubert, prime example, when he wasn't at his prime, if he missed his first kick, his game was done. If he kicked his first one over, he played marvellous game. So you know that. Andre Pollard's also like that. On on average, he kicks very well. So I mean, I, I don't think I don't think there's there's room for concern in the back camp at all. I think we will be stronger together, yeah. and we will be better on Saturday. Um, and the Wallabies know that as well. So they they know really they know. And let me tell you, I think, I think, and, and I might be wrong now as well, and Jacques Ninamar will, will, will curse me for saying this. I also think, although we're going there uh, and we've prepared well and we want to win the championship, I think one of our goals is to win our 100th test match against New Zealand in two weeks' time. I think, and that's like our final, because that is the one that will stick forever. Yes. Um, so let's hope it was just a and maybe brought us down to earth a little bit to say, well, wait a well, minute, we're not untouchable, yeah. we have to fix certain things, and these guys are coming for us. That's exactly what uh, Mike Greenaway actually highlighted, was the fact that we, we like to play with our backs against the wall, because that's exactly what we did against the Lions as well. We've all three test matches now to win the championship. 100%, and, and that's what we did against the Lions. We lost the first one, and then this, the next two we won. So Just go back to the World Cup. What yes. did they say? If we lose against New Zealand, yeah. we're out of the tournament. We yes. lost our first game and we actually won the tournament. Yeah. So and no team prior to us has ever won that lost the game in the, in the first round. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's South Africa. It doesn't matter South what Africa. sport it is. Yeah. In South yeah. Africa, okay, now if I can put you, put you on the spot. Saturday, your predictions for Saturday? What would you like to know? Your prediction, South win Africa. Win or lose? No, you tell me. Uh, <laughs> no, I let me tell you. Um, I think, I th to be honest, if you look at the the log and that, um, we are in a spot of bother because New Zealand's five points ahead of us. Okay, and I say this with respect to to Argentina, and I hope they bounce back. 
New Zealand would in all probability get another five points on the weekend. So we will have to win at least, okay? And then we will obviously need to win our following two. If we can get a bonus point, which I believe we're good enough. I mean, we had a poor game on Saturday, and we, I mean on Sunday, and we scored three tries. Yeah. Our defense is okay. So I believe we will get a bonus point this weekend. Okay. Um, you want margin? If you want to give it, if you want to <laughs> stick your, if you want to stick your neck out that far. So, look, if you if you look at Saturday's game, and no. the only reason why you, why the Wallabies were in the game is because of our ill discipline. They scored no. one try and we lost by two points. Okay. So I go bonus point win, fourteen point margin. <laughs> Huge. Thank right. your boys. Africa all the way. Simple as that. No explanation. I'm not giving you any further details. <laughs> Mine is He's heart. scared we bring I'm him back in studio heart. next week. Uh, my <laughs> heart says green and gold. I know the boys are going to pick themselves up, and I'm not going to give you any other details besides that. So yeah. Mark works for a school. He wants to be a teacher. So he wants to tell you he's going to score. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. I'm uh, saying this because uh, with, the, with the commentators on, on Sunday, Brayton Paul, so they asked them the same question, Victor Matfield, they were all sitting in studio. And uh, they asked, so what's your predictions? And he went, I can't remember what his margin was. Definitely South Africa. And Makazolom Pimpi will continue with his score, with his scoring, <laughs> so he will score. Um, uh, and needless to say, the wings didn't see the ball. <laughs> yeah. I also believe that the box will pick themselves up. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate. Tyrone, thank you. An absolute privilege having you here and listening to you. Thank um, you, you are seriously inspiring. Uh, you. uh, you've inspired me today. All the way. Yeah, no, I must admit. Uh, you know, I was telling my wife on the way here. Um, I actually told Gus we had a we had a discussion before this, and I said I was actually nervous, quite nervous to <laughs> to have you in studio and whatever. And uh, you know what is nice, and same as with Jason, I must yes. admit when he was here. You know, you guys represent the country. Um, you just like us. You know what I'm saying. But and that's, but that's the thing. You know, I always say this to people. I'm not different from anybody yeah. else. If, if I win a medal, it doesn't make me better than the next person. It's just that I followed my dream towards what I wanted to do. No, 100%. So I, I always say, you know, we wouldn't be who we are if it wasn't for our people that support mm. us and back us. And that's our community. That's the country. That's everybody. So, you know. Yeah, no, and, yeah. and I, I concur with Gus is saying. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you in studio. And uh, the Toti community out there can tell you now, uh, should be proud of you. It's a pity. I don't think everyone knows about <laughs> you, um, but it's our it's our responsibility to make it known. And and um, hopefully through Touchline and through our show, we will have many more supporters. But local is lacking, and yeah. and, and totally need to get behind you and support you. you all the way. Thank you very much, and Thanks thank you for your time. And because of that, and your sins, uh, seeing that we are a rugby show, we will definitely invite you yes. to Toti Rugby Club. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Pop around there and have a few words with the guys, and we'll that you'll be cool. That will be magic for us. Yeah, it will be brilliant. Sam, thanks Absolutely. a lot. Really thanks. appreciate it. Thank thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Mark. Yep. Have a Mark. good evening, and to our listeners, thanks for always tuning in and and supporting us and and following us and, and yeah. all of that. And all I can say is, go Boca. Go Boca. And Tyrone, for you, for the next four years to uh, 2024. Yeah. All the best. Thanks. From myself, Kasper Els, Mark Cameron, thank you for tuning in to Touchline and have a great rugby week.